Greetings and welcome to the Talkin' Reggae Podcast. As always, I am Jay of Street Level Uprising. I'm rocking solo on this episode because there's just a few things that I want to talk about. Keep it short and sweet. Number one, wanted to let you know that some good friends of mine, Indigo Eye, have a brand new single that's out today called A Personality. You've heard me talk about them before. I interviewed them a couple months back. Really good people. Really great music creators. So go check out A Personality, which is streaming on every platform right now. The next thing I wanted to talk about. So I, I don't I don't like disparaging artists and producers. I don't like, in general, making people feel bad or hurting people's feelings. It's not what I'm about. I like, you know, I, I want to make people feel good about themselves. I, I, I like uplifting people, singing people's praises. And so I often keep my opinions to myself if it's something that maybe I feel is a little negative or, or something. And normally I don't even have those thoughts, but when I do, I keep them to myself. But something I did want to talk about that came up recently. So I'm, I'm, I'm reading Dance Hall Mag online, which I do a lot. I, I love to keep up with the dance hall scene in Jamaica and beyond. So I read that. And I came across an article with Beanie Man, the legendary Beanie Man, lamenting the state of reggae uh, dance hall, really, production in Jamaica these days. And basically saying there's not a whole lot of real producers around anymore that it's it's beat makers there's a difference between producers and beat makers and you can you can make beats that doesn't make you a producer so this article he's talking about that and the article also quoted some other artists and producers who were kind of saying the same thing and really really getting in the nuts and bolts of what makes a producer a producer and why you know, a producer may be a beat maker, but a beat maker is not necessarily a producer. So this made me kind of think that maybe sometimes I'm wrong to not speak up and say something. I'm not here again to disparage anyone or name any name. But I, the article made me realize that sometimes by holding my tongue to not hurt some people, I might harm an artist's career because I didn't want to say something about a producer or a production style that might be holding them back. So again, not here to name any names, but these are just kind of the things I wanted to say about what artists should look for in a producer and what they should look out for in a quote-unquote producer. So there's certain things that matter that go beyond beat making song structure changes. You could put together a hot beat that never changes. The chorus is the same as the verse, is the same as the intro, is the same as whatever. Never changes throughout. And it could still be a hot beat, but it'll wear thin real quickly. And a producer knows how to spice things up. A producer has knowledge of musical instruments and even some ability on those instruments and not necessarily virtuoso. You know, I'm, I'm not a great drummer, but I know enough about the drums and about how to play the drums that it can inform my production style. You have to understand keys. You know, there's in, in the articles I was reading on Dancehall Mag, there were some that were saying, you know, some producers don't understand 
musical notes, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and all the sharps and flats that go with them. And, and that's a problem. We'll get more to that in a, a second of why that's such a problem. And as an artist who's looking to work with producers, it, 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 there's some things that can kind of tip you off to things. If, if you hear a rhythm that you really want a voice on, and the producer never says to you, well, what key do you want it? Or never adjusts the key to your voice before you record it. Like that's, that's a red flag right there. They, they, it's not just about fitting your voice to a rhythm. You got to fit the rhythm of the voice too. You know, uh, it's like, it's like coaching a sports team. You know, you can't, if, if your if your football team is nothing but big, slow guys, you can't, can't run them the way that that you would if they were a bunch of little fast guys, right? It's the same. It's you gotta, you have to customize things. You have to, you have to bend the music to the artist if it doesn't if it, if it doesn't fit like a glass slipper on that first attempt. And you know, let's face it, rarely ever does. I got certain keys that are better for me to sing in. And if I'm voicing on a track, if I get something from a producer, and I don't often work with outside producers, but when I do, and in fact, I'm working on one right now. If it doesn't fit my voice in the right key, like I got to say to them, yo, you know, you got to, you know, we change this or something. So producers have to know that you can't, don't just buy a beat off the rack. Don't just buy a beat off the shelf. And people say to me, yo, Jay, you got some, some good rhythms. Why don't you just throw uh, up on some websites for sale? You know, here's a rhythm, uh, $60 or whatever. And it's like, nah, that's a disservice to the artist because I would need to work with that artist to make the trap uh, appropriate for that artist's voice. So no, I, I don't do that. There's no off-the-rack beats with me. There's, uh, never has been, never will be. Another red flag, if you know anything about the producer's studio setup, there's things that you can notice that can make you question what's going on. If, if the, you know, I'll notice if the speakers are horizontal instead of vertical, the, little, the small little studio monitors, if they're horizontal instead of vertical, that's not good. That's not how they were designed. If the studio is lacking acoustics or has things like egg crates or thin carpet on the wall standing in for acoustics, that doesn't work. If they don't have good acoustic panels strategically placed to limit early reflections during the mixing process, that's a problem. And if you want to know more about that, you can let me know. But See, the problems that are created when you have a producer that doesn't have the depth of knowledge about music that they, that they could or should is as an artist, they can't help you develop. They can't really help your voice dig into the song as well as it can. And then when you go to transfer it to a live setting, you know, I hear a lot of people these days saying, man, live music's not what it used to be. People are using backing tracks without saying anything more than they used to. They're, you know, things like that. And also that a lot of artists these days, some are still great, but a lot of artists these days, younger artists coming up, they can't really bring it live. Like they can't, they can't really. And sometimes that's just a lack of experience on stage. Cool. The more you do it, the better you'll get. But some of it might be tied to this issue I'm talking about. Let's say you voice a track, turned out okay. Then you go to bring it to the stage and you know, sometimes something that sounded good in the studio, and then you go to bring it to the stage, and all of a sudden, the key doesn't fit your voice right or something. Or maybe you overextended yourself in the studio to make your voice work, but now that you're on stage and you're trying to gig night after night, maybe that shouldn't have been the key that you did the tune in. Uh, and sometimes just the overall quality 
of the production. You know, I've heard producers that produced a lot of tracks for a lot of people. There's one cat I know who's an artist in his own right and has produced a lot of tracks for a lot of people. And some of the tracks I've heard, and it just sounds like sonically, it, it doesn't sound as good as it could. And, it, and it's, it's like, you're doing your thing as an artist and producer, and that's great, but it's doing a disservice to artists if it doesn't sound as good as it can. If I'm working with an artist as a producer, I want it to sound as good as street level does. And I don't want the artist to sound like street level. What I want is to bring out that artist style just as best as we can possibly get it down on, on hard desk. I almost said on tape, but we don't do tape. I haven't done tape in 20 something years, <laughs> but, um, uh, it's, uh, we want it to sound as good as it can. I want you as an artist to sound as good as you possibly can. And I'm not here to make you sound like street level. I'm here to make you sound like you, but in the best possible quality. And look, a true producer has pro proper musical knowledge and can help with structure, uh, give suggestions for lyrics and melody because that producer has the experience in the music business and knows all those things, can help with songwriting, not just make a beat, can help write a song and help with these structures. A true producer knows uh, the subtlety of effects and not just drenching things in reverb. Reverb is, is, um, reverb is a cool effect. But beyond that, reverb is something that ties a recording together that can make it sound like all the instruments were played in the same room, that the singer was in the same room, even when 99% of recordings these days are, are not recorded like that. You know, the, the goal is to make it sound like it, to have cohesion and the proper use of reverb. You know, I'll give you an example. I've seen cats use multiple, multiple reverbs on a track, which is such a huge no-no because these things clash, you know, different types of reverb, reverb different uh, uh, reverb lengths. And it's like, I personally, I don't use more than two types of reverb on a track. I'll use one to tie it together. So it's all in the same room. And then you put varying levels. So you have the depth. And this is not a, a, a recording primer I'm trying to do here, but you know, reverb is the third di dimension of, of sound. It's depth, right? So different instruments get different amounts of reverb, but you want the same reverb to tie all these instruments together. Okay. And maybe if you want a special effect here and there, you throw in an entirely different type of reverb. That's cool. You go beyond that and things start getting mudded and cloudy. And so it's, it's not great. And producer knows how to do that. And like I said before, a true producer knows how to fit the rhythm to the voice. It's not about, here's a rhythm, go voice it. It's fun. That'll be, you know, a hundred dollars or whatever. That's, and that's, that's not really the way to do it. You want to customize. And look, I'm not setting this up as a whole why you should use me as a producer, use street level productions at, to, to produce your track. You want to, that's fine. I, I love working with anyone. That's not what I'm here to do. What I'm here to do is say, work with a real producer, not just a beat maker. And, and I know th like things get expensive, right? It's easy to, I've seen beats online for 20, 35 bucks. So an aspiring rapper, an aspiring dance hall artist, reggae artist can get this rhythm and say, you know, it's affordable. I can do my thing and put it out there. And that's great. It really is wonderful. But do you want greatness? Are you striving for greatness? Or are you striving for good enough? And 
unfortunately, we have to invest money in our careers. God knows I've, I've, my career is one giant money pit. I get it. You know, it's, it's, it's easy to take the easy and cheap way because you got to do something right. And I'm not saying you should save all your money and spend tens of thousands of dollars on an, on a, on a Grammy winning producer or anything like that. It's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is if you're in this business, I would hope that you're striving for greatness, not okayness. And if you're striving for greatness, you have to work with a producer. If you're going to work with a producer, work with a producer who really has all of the knowledge I'm talking about on here. And you can reach out to me if, if you have misgivings about a producer. You can say, hey, I'm thinking about working with this person. Uh, here's what I've seen. What do you think? And I will vet that producer and say, yeah, that, that producer knows what they're doing. Or I will say, you know, you might, you might want to ask a few questions. You might want to do this, might want to do that. I'm 100% willing to help anyone for free to decide if you're using the right producer or not. So hit me up and we can talk about that. Anyway, that's my two cents about production. I, I don't want to see artists held back by producers who aren't really producers. I want to see beat makers get schooled and become producers. And I want to see artists use real producers and become outstanding artists. And that's what I'm here for. That's what this episode, I want to talk about in this episode. And moving on to the last thing, a great friend in our Florida reggae community, Jomalee Becerril, had an unfortunate incident with her apartment. It wasn't, you know, there was, a, there was a fire in the apartment above her, and unfortunately that meant that there was then a fire in her apartment. And just destruction. And, and, and she and her son are forced to basically start over now, find a new place to live. They've lost so many of their possessions. Um, Joma Lee has a, a, a business she was running out of her apartment that's going to take some, some time to reset. We're doing everything we can to try to get her, to, to help her get back on her feet. You know, we want to do a benefit concert for her here in Florida. We're trying to set that up. In the meantime, all donations are welcome. She is, is a great person. She is super supportive of reggae artists and the reggae scene and reggae fans. I've seen her do a lot of things for a lot of people. And we're just trying to raise a little bit of money to help her and her son get back on their feet, new place to live, get clothes. I mean, you know, I, so when I was, my earliest memory, the earliest memory that I have is an alarm going off and my mom screaming my name. I was, I was three years old. My mom screaming my name. I was upstairs about to take a nap. And then my mom running upstairs, snatching me and running downstairs and running outside because our house was on fire and watching my house burn to the ground. And I, I'm not doing this for Jomali because I've been through this. I'm doing it because I'm a human being and I like helping people when I can. But I've been through this. And you don't just lose your home, you lose everything. We lost everything. We had two cats, we lost that. We lost all of our clothes. I have nothing. You know, whenever I post a picture of my parents on Facebook or something, uh, I have to do one, there's only one photo that, that I have from them from, uh, from, from back in the day, you know, from before the fire. We lost all my baby pictures. We lost, mo you know, their wedding photos and things like that. All we, all we have from before that time is if like, you know, uh, my dad's sister or my mom's brother had some photos from that time, they were able to get a few. 
there's very little. You lose everything when something like that happens. Just like, you know, people in hur- the Hurricane Ian down here, a lot of people lost everything. There's tornadoes, natural disasters, fires are the same way. You lose everything. And it's not just that you've lost possessions. It's the, the feeling of, of violation, the feeling of needing to start over. It's disheartening. And I'm here to support, to support Jomali and her son. And so if you, if you can spare it, if you have anything to spare, it would be awesome if you could help them out. Jomali's uh, business is crafts. She does some outstanding crafts. I've jewelry and from jewelry to joint holders, I've seen. You go to Insta, uh, it's Miss Jomas, so M I S S J O M A S underscore crafts. And I'm going to put all these things in the link section of, of this podcast episode also. But go there and check out her stuff. You can message her, buy some things from her. And if you just want to donate on Zelly, it's JZBB1987 at hotmail.com. Cash app, Miss Joma, M I S S J O M A. And again, I'll put these links in the podcast episode. And we are, me, uh, Indigo Eye, and, and hopefully some other artists, if we can find a venue in Central Florida or the Tampa St. Pete area, we're going to put a benefit together and raise some more money. But please, if you can help, she doesn't need much. She's not asking for millions of dollars to, to start some kind of tech firm or something. She just needs to be able to afford to move into a new place and replace some of her possessions. So if you can help, please do. That's all I have to say today. Thank you very much for listening to the Talking Reggae podcast. I see the, the, the listens that I'm getting when I open up the page and, and, and check out how the episodes are doing. I know you're listening. I know a lot of people are listening. I appreciate it so freaking much. And so do the artists and other people that I'm helping to promote on this platform. So thank you for tuning in. One love.